Welcome to the Future of Work podcast series brought to you by Canon Australia. In this series, we speak to business experts from across Australia, including prominent academics, commentators and business leaders. The series complements the Future of Work report written by academic and researcher Dr Sunil Badami that covers the challenges facing businesses and workers today, the role of technology in education might play and how we can navigate an increasingly uncertain future. In today's episode, we speak with Dr. Katrina Wallace, CEO and founder of artificial intelligence fintech company Flamingo AI. Flamingo AI is the second only women-led business ever to list on the Australian Stock Exchange, and Katrina is one of the most cited experts on the future of customer experience, artificial intelligence, and bot strategy. In today's episode, Sunil and Katrina discuss the role of AI and machines in the future workplace and what this potentially means for both workers and leaders. So who are you? Where are you from? Who do you work with? What do you do? So my name is Dr. Katrina Wallace. I am from Sydney, but I work between New York and Australia. And I'm the CEO and founder of an artificial intelligence company called Flamingo AI. And what does Flamingo AI do? So we provide machine learning technology that provides what we call cognitive virtual assistants, like software robots for large enterprises. And how did you come to working in artificial intelligence? So I'm an entrepreneur by background, but I also have a PhD in human technology interaction. So I've been studying the role that technology will play in replacing human leaders for the last 10 to 15 years. So why do you do what you do, Katrina? So I'm very passionate actually about the human condition and human experience, but I know that technology is coming like a freight train down the line. Things like artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, cryptocurrency, it's already here and now. So I think there needs to be responsible uh, leadership around making sure that when this technology comes, that humans are uh, effectively know how to work with it and and deal with it, particularly in the workplace. So I'm very interested in how we, how I provide a leadership role in machines augmenting humans. What are the biggest issues facing workers or employers today? And the issue that I'm particularly focused on is the role of uh, robots or machines coming into the workplace. So one of the, the challenges is that within the next five to six years, we'll see 40% of jobs in retail, hospitality, tourism and financial services replaced by automation or, or robots or machines. So one of the big challenges I believe is how do leaders and managers start to gear up their workplace and their employees for this significant change? So how can employers and managers meet those challenges presented by the rise of artificial intelligence and the machines? So the way that employers and managers can start to prepare for the future of work is absolutely now because it isn't the future of work, it is work now, by starting to think about what is the role that AI and machines will play in a average employee's job. So whether it is the employee working alongside a machine, whether it's a machine replacing the employee's job and freeing the 
uh, the employee up to do other work, there needs to be uh, employers and managers now really learning about the role that AI will play and how it will affect everybody's job in the workplace. So where do you see the workplace in the next few years? So where I see the workplace in the next few years is really uh, transforming through the coming of technologies like AI, machine learning and blockchain into a much more highly um, automated and machine-driven workplace. Now that on the face of it sounds a bit scary, but I think it will actually free up workplaces to be a lot more um, creative, collaborative, um, and, and driven by and powered by technology than it's currently been. So I'm one of the, the people that looks very positively on what work can become as a result of the machines playing a, a core part. What role can technology play in the future of work? So the role that technology will play in the future of work will be probably the, the greatest role that it ever has since technology ha- has been around. And by that I mean technology will become digital labour. And digital labour is there will be employees who are robots, not just human employees. So on a number of um, our clients at the moment, on an average organisational chart, they'll have human employees and they'll have digital employees and they divide the work up between them. So it will be a profoundly different effect to what technology has been traditionally looked at in um, whether it's social media or just making things um, faster or doing big data analytics. Technology will actually play a role in doing work. So with technology doing all that work, why do we need to work? Well, those of us in the AI sector look at it like this, that technology's role now going forward should be to free humans up to do more human things. So this would be around creativity, around the arts, around around basic science, and could in fact be less around actually doing traditional types of work. That's the um, very rosy view on how how we think it'll go. But if we track back through the industrial revolution, the agricultural revolution, and then the outsourcing era when work was going offshore, we see that this is actually not what's happened. We've seen that when different phases of technologies come in, actually there is more work for humans to do. So we predict that it'll be the same in this next transformative era around AI-enabled work. We will probably end up still working harder, but on different things. What do you hope the worker of the future will be or do? I hope the worker of the future will be not just human. It will be human and machine. And at this early stage, I don't think that'll be machines in human bodies. But going forward, I imagine that's exactly where it will go. So at the moment, we're seeing humans having a relationship with data and humans having a relationship with software. And that's how work will be. It'll be human and machine working together. Eventually, it'll be um, software in humans working. And by that, we call it transhumanism, which is when we actually equip ourselves as, as human beings and bodies with software that helps us do things, process things and do things smarter. Now, that's a few decades away, but not as far as you think. And in the interim, we'll really see that humans have buddies, have partners that are machines, and the two of them work together, the machine educating and training the human, the human educating and training the machine to give much better results 
for customers, for productivity, for revenue generation than we've ever seen before. All right. So um, what do you think of um, flexible working arrangements, like working from home, part-time, permaflexi, flexi-casual? So I was always a great proponent of different work arrangements, so flexi-work, work-from-home, remote work. However, I have to say I don't think it's uh, ended up being what it was promised to be. And I know as a, a business leader where we've tried to do flexible work conditions, we've tried to do work from home, it hasn't really worked. So I think this is one of the great misnomers of the predictions of the workplace where flexi work hasn't really stood up to be what it was expected to be. And we're now actually bringing people back into the office to work together. So this whole notion of a lack of collaboration, a lack of creativity um, through having flexible work um, arrangements has been a real problem. And, and I'm really disturbed by it. I was the greatest proponent of working from home or flexible work conditions, but I don't think it's stacked up to be what it promised to be. Why didn't it work? So I think there's a basic thing around human collaboration. The humans still need often to be face-to-face or working together in teams in order to be truly productive and truly creative. But where it has failed may not be in the work arrangements itself, but rather the technology through which flexible work conditions and at-home work has, has been enabled. So video conferencing, still horrible. Um, Email, still a primary communication tool, horrible. Most of the technology that should have enabled flexible work conditions just hasn't been at the standard it needed to be to really make what is imminently a a sensible thing actually work. So what do you think of unlimited paid leave? So I think unlimited paid leave is a great idea. And I think it should uh, really foster those workers who... Um, treat work and life not as I've got work and I've got life but it is one and the same thing which is what I believe then unlimited leave should be how it is so that's because the worker the employee or employer will choose to have an integrated approach to how they do work and shouldn't take advantage of an unlimited leave um, allowance so I'm a big proponent of it I think it's a great idea. Do you have unlimited leave at Flamingo AI? We don't have unlimited leave at Flamingo AI, and that's because we're we're bound by government regulations. However, we do have a very flexible approach to staff who want to take leave. Uh, And because we work across a couple of different time zones, the whole notion of keeping staff's hours logged and monitored is is ridiculous. So we take a very flexible approach around this, uh, around the hours that they work and how they work and the time that they have off. So if we were in a regulatory environment that was able to do that, we would probably move towards that. And what's the effect of that flexibility in terms of hours and leave had on productivity at Flamingo AI? So it can go two ways. So um, as far as then meeting our requirements across um, multiple time zones, then our staff have been able to do that and we've been highly productive. So we work the Australian day and the US day, so we can really work around the clock. That's highly productive. But unless it's done well, then there's a lot of fatigue that the team have in those who are are sometimes doing the, the swap over hours or the changeover hours. So I think... 
Um, we're yet to be able to do that really elegantly and efficiently. Um, and and it, it continues to be something that we, we work on to try and improve around the flexibility of work hours. Going back to um, the idea that you were talking about workers who don't see a division between work and life, that they both come together. How important is work-life balance? So personally, I don't really buy into the work-life balance thing. I don't know why we ever separated work and life. To me, there is life and as part of life as a functioning human, you work and you create. So I think it was the industrial era that really came and separated there's work and we go and work in factories and manufacturing plants or in a coal mine. And when we stopped doing that because that was such a terrible place to work, we came home and we we had our our personal life. To me, that's ludicrous. There is only one life and within that life, you work. So I think as we go forward, there'll be more movement towards that ideal of um, not having work and life be a separate thing and needing to be balanced. It should be the one and the same thing. And sometimes work will be predominant and sometimes uh, personal things will be predominant, but ultimately they should be one and the same thing. With productivity having risen fivefold since the 70s, why do we seem to be working so much more today? Well, I think one of the challenges we're seeing at this point in time in history is a certain um, traditional way that capital and labour work together is grinding to a halt. So a lot of the strong growth that enterprises and organisations, businesses achieved in traditional models of human uh, labour um, working together is is all slowing down. It's very hard. Most of our big enterprise clients say hard for us to sell, hard for us to grow. So they're strip, starting to strip costs out of out of businesses. Now, what we're going to see now with the coming of things like artificial intelligence, it'll be a transformative layer that sits in businesses, which starts to escalate and amplify what humans have previously done and done using human labor. So that amplification, we're going to start seeing another growth. And if you follow a growth phase, you follow people like Elon Musk, uh, one of the leaders in AI, he just says, any company, all the companies that are not doing AI will be crushed by the AI-driven companies. They just won't compete. They won't survive another three or five years. So um, with so many degrees and professions potentially obsolete in only a few years, how can we prepare current students, graduates and workers for the economic and employment challenges of the future of work? So, so I think that the way we need to prepare our students or young people who are coming through school or, or university is for them to know that the jobs that they're going to go into in the next three, five, ten years, actually most of them probably don't really exist now. So what they're learning now is probably not going to be particularly relevant unless they're learning some of the, the high-tech um, high biomed subjects, um, some of the mathematical subjects, or the arts and, and the creativity. That's where the, the world is going to, to um, sort of spike towards. But what university and school should be used for is for these students to learn how to learn. It's as simple as that. So having a learning mindset, if the students can come out just with that, but not having any idea of what their jobs are going to be, that'd be the best solution. Now, you're very qualified, Dr. Katrina Wallace, but how important are qualifications if 
we don't know what we'll need to use them for or many of them will be obsolete. So how important are qualifications? I don't know that they're going to be as important as they've been traditionally. So certainly um, learning and knowledge and achieving a particular skill set will be important, but will a bachelor's degree in a particular subject, will that be an important qualification or credential? I don't think so. I know that some of the highest performing people in my sector, which is technology, don't have any qualifications. In fact, would have been kicked out of school or university, and but have gone on to be geniuses in their field because of their creativity, because of their work ethic, and because they're coders. Um, so it's going to be a different world, and I'm extremely fearful that education as it is now, the traditional old school way that it still is, is going to be completely irrelevant for these workers going forward. Whatever you do, there are times when business as usual demands the unusual. Security breaches aren't favorable. That's why our multifunction print devices are not only cost-efficient and come with large, customizable touchscreens, they come fitted with protection against IT security threats with the added control of Uniflow. Just swipe and release to authenticate, then scan your email and cloud accounts. On most major practice management software, Uniflow works seamlessly to assign relevant matter numbers to your scans and printing so you can save on wastage with complete visibility over who's printing what. And stop important documents falling into the wrong hands. So you can get back to business as usual. Because no one does it like you. Now, what makes a good workplace? So what makes a good workplace is definitely the um, culture and we hear a lot about culture and what does it mean, shared beliefs, values and assumptions. That's also kind of a bit um, you know, academic. It really is around how we treat each other, what we focus on, how we work together and what are the values that are important to us. And so for us, we always take it back to core human values, customer experience, employee experience, um, excellence in what we do, accountability for the work we do. And we build those elements in, into the culture to make that a, a safe and good, productive, creative workplace. So who should be driving workplace culture? So workplace culture actually I think is typically driven, you think by the, the founder, the CEO, the leadership team, and that is partly true. But our culture in our business is actually driven, there's probably four or five key people who could be some of the, the least senior people in the business who are the ones that champion the culture and build the culture themselves. So there we would have sort of cultural leaders within the business who are far more powerful than I am as the founder, as in setting and directing the culture. And so um, how do they drive the culture or, or foster the culture? How's, how are they invested in the culture? So how core cultural influences within the business drive the culture is by the, the way they communicate, I would say is absolutely number one. And there's various technology platforms and systems that help them do that, um, such as Slack. So Slack is a very, very strong um, proponent of our culture and how we do work. 
uh, and I can talk more about that. Um, also the way they communicate within their teams, communicate across countries. So uh, culture, the tone, uh, sorry, communication, the tone of communication, very important. And the way that they conduct their work. So um, being able to you know, achieve deadlines, being able to um, support other team members, all of these things are driven in our business from the from the bottom up. So what would you say to those people who are threatened by artificial intelligence or virtual assistants? Because I have to tell you, I am getting used to the idea of an artificial hip, but when you were talking about, you know, implanting, you know, virtual assistants into me, I felt a little bit uneasy. Yes. So should people be worried or threatened about the coming of AI and machines? Well, I believe there should be a very healthy scepticism. Most of us uh, in the AI sector are sort of divided 50-50. So 50% of us think that it might go well and the uh, the coming of the machines and, and software will be a great thing for humanity and 50% think it'll go very badly. So the reason why it could go badly is in the automation of things like automated weapons, um, automated cars, there'll be half of that that goes well, it'll be half of it that goes badly. Um, Wars, when we look into the future, won't necessarily be cyber wars as they are at the moment, but they will be AI-driven wars. Very, very dangerous topic. So where we are at the moment in history is to be rightfully worried. So your sense of, you know, am I a bit concerned is a great thing to have. You should be concerned. But where we are at a point in history now is the first time we have ability to lead the future because it's not yet created. All the foundation platforms are there, but there is a great opportunity now for we as leaders in work and in community and in government to step forward and make sure this is directed in the right way. So with so many current occupations potentially obsolete in an automated AI age, why is work important anymore? So work is important even though machines will come and AI will come and automate a lot of it because work is a fundamental characteristic of what makes humans human. So if we think about um, all the philosophers as they've um, studied why, what is the point and purpose of humanity, they've talked about three things. So humans trying to achieve success, very subjective. Humans trying to achieve happiness, very subjective, and humans trying to flourish. So where most of the big philosophers landed on is that the the purpose of humanity is for all of us individually to flourish. And to flourish, that essentially means to grow. And in order to grow, work is a core component of what makes us human. So in that sense, uh, work will always and should always be fundamentally important to us as humans and our ability to flourish and grow and to um, progress. It's just how that work is done is going to change. And finally, we often talk about the challenges of around the future of work. What are the opportunities or possibilities of the future of work, Katrina? 
Well, the possibilities of the future of work are really now getting to a stage where, where they're beyond what we can even imagine. So whether it is in, in, medical, in the medical world where um, a doctor is in London and a robot is in India and the doctor is instructing the robot in order to do an operation on a child where the child would have previously died, these things are extraordinarily interesting, great opportunities. Whether it is the fact that at the moment in the US there's 35,000 people killed on the roads by motor vehicles that are driven by humans, um, $3 trillion goes into um, the automotive sector just around accidents. The opportunities there is that well, that number is reduced significantly by the, the automation of vehicles and, and mobility. The fact that drones now can um, cover and report um, incidents of catastrophe, whereas previously they couldn't. There, there's huge, huge, beautiful opportunities for uh, great advances in, in humans going forward, even over the next 10 years, that will reflect on work. So I'm one of the optimists, so I think it's going to and should go very well. Um, and, and work and jobs should become much more interesting, uh, much more creative and much more human than they've ever been before despite the fact that I'm uh, one of the inventors of machines that will replace human, human work. That was our discussion with Dr Katrina Wallace, who raised a number of thought-provoking points on the impact of technology in the future workplace. Katrina highlighted the potential implications to the job landscape, with jobs across a number of industries replaced by robots or machines and the importance of workers embracing a learning mindset to change. Katrina also talked about the organisational chart of business moving to one of those made up of both humans and digital employees. At Canon, we are certainly seeing this come to life with the delivery of our workplace solutions, where we supported a number of customers to automate their daily workflows, freeing up time and resources to focus on higher value work. Our robotic process automation offering through Canon Business Services will broaden the opportunity for business in this area. If this sounds like something that could benefit your business, visit canon.com.au forward slash business. In the next episode of our Future of Work podcast series, we speak with Ross Reiki, founder of Rise Consulting, who discusses the importance of meaningfulness and happiness in the workplace. To make sure you don't miss out on this or any future episodes, make sure to hit the subscribe button.